installed later, you need to go to this specialist. We did that, we rang, we got an appointment for <coughs> Thursday and, and the doctor panicked. You ever had your doctor panic? <laughs> that scares you. When a doctor gets anxious about something, so I've been anxious most of the week. Um, been praying and casting all my cares upon God, but you're still anxious. <laughs> um, primarily because my doctor was anxious, <laughs> made me anxious. Anyway, uh, she got into uh, saw the specialist, and the operation was on Friday, and she was uh, stayed in overnight Friday night and came home Saturday. So we haven't had a week like you guys have had. Yours is similar. So you've been in hospital all week, and I've been visiting the hospital all week, and doctors and pharmacies and everything else. And, and as Charlie says, she's not the woman that she used to be. <laughs> she's certainly not all there. I told her I'd say that. The doctor gave her the stones, normally they crush them. They're the size of marbles. They're huge. So I don't know how quickly they grow, but she's been in a great deal of pain for quite a while. Um, when I saw the specialist, you know, she's not allowed to do anything for like two weeks or something, or six weeks recovery and blah, blah, blah. And I said, will she still be able to do the cleaning, the washing, the ironing, <laughs> and the cooking? And the specialist looked at me and said, oh, no, not for 12 months. My anxieties went up. <laughs> I told my friends, uh, friend Michael down in New South Wales, he said, I'd get a second opinion. <laughs> so I did. And I asked the medical staff at Greenslopes Hospital, I said, listen, the specialist said she gets 12 months. This one said, two years. <laughs> I'm still negotiating, I'm still working it out. Anyway, thank you for praying and please continue to pray. She's still in a fair bit of pain. She's got internal stitching and she literally can't lift anything. And even yesterday, I drove her home very carefully. But even getting out of the car, you know, you, you use muscles you don't, you're just not aware of. And it just was, she nearly screamed. So I thought, gee, I'm going to have to do this better. I'll have to get out and then help her get out. And even sitting on a chair and standing up, it strains the stomach muscles. So... It's only when you're injured that you become aware, don't you, of all these parts of the body. These flowers at the front are from, I think, the school or from the class. There's a stack of letters over there, so she'll be delighted. And so th that's Rhonda and her update. So anyway, that's Rhonda. Please pray for me. <laughs> Our testimony is that God is good. Um, Rhonda's gallbladder could have been extremely complicated in terms of it was full of junk and mucus and stuff and if it had have leaked out then that does raise the medical issues a whole lot more concernedly. But anyway, yeah, it's all been successful and great. She's now just in the process of recovering. Uh, I said to her, does this cancel the contract that we have because you know you're not the woman that I marry? She said, no, it's for better or worse. I said, it should be for bigger or smaller. And then I said, you better put a limit on it. Because I would be nearly twice the size when I married her now. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? So this half married her, the other half has grown since. <laughs> the book of Exodus, chapter 20, 
verse 8, in the middle of the Ten Commandments. The Lord said and wrote with his finger on stone to Moses and through Moses to his people and to us, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, not your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Do you notice who's not on the list? (laughs) Pastors. No, I'm there. You. It says you. You can't do it. Your son can't. Your daughter can't. Your male servant. Who's got a servant? Your male or female servant can't. Your animals can't. Nor can the foreigner who is residing amongst you. She is not on the list. Mothers. The wife. Is not mentioned. Is that because she's exempt and she can work on the Sabbath? No. It's an interesting omission. My answer is, she's included under the you, that she's with her husband, that they are in fact one unit, one flesh. And so the implication is that She is subsumed under the reference to him. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your watchful care over us, for your will and decision to grant healing and restoration both to Wes and to Rhonda. We continue to pray for those in our church undergoing treatment who continue to look to you for the same, Lord, for your delivering hand. Be with them, we pray. And now also with us, give us ears to hear, minds to discern, and help us to make choices that are going to be pleasing and honouring you and helpful and beneficial to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in busy times, don't we? In fact, restlessness can be the adjective to describe Men for, for many of us. And here is a command, God's command. While we might applaud busyness and hard work and all of that, God says to us, give it a break. Rest. You're not indispensable. There's something far more important than work. Work six days, and on the seventh day in each week, set that day aside to be a different day, to be a holy day. That's what holy means, to be different. And on that day, not only rest physically, but also on that day, focus on your relationship with me and your other relationships. But it's not all about work. You've heard the old adage of why somebody says, um, why do you go to work? And the person says, "Um, well, I go to work to earn some money. Why do you want to earn some money? Well, I want to earn some money so that I can buy food and buy stuff. Why do you want food and stuff? Well, so I can be healthy. Why do you want to be healthy? So I can go to work. Become cyclical. And we can get caught up in that treadmill of it. Um, And so God is saying to us on this very busy lifestyle that we need to factor in a time for pausing. The rabbis used to ask themselves all sorts of questions. One of them was, how does God spend his day? The rabbis would answer by saying he spends eight hours administering the universe, 
He spends eight hours reading the Torah, the law, and he spends eight hours playing with the Leviathan. And the rabbi's point is, if even God takes time to play, we should do the same. We should take time out. So, question. Are you taking time out? There are many, many rules. The Jewish people, after they receive this law, if you ask the question, when did the Sabbath start? Well, we don't know, but it's possible that it goes all the way back to creation. Genesis chapter 2 certainly refers to it, and so does this passage, refers back to the creation, that it's the pattern that God said. He worked for six days and he rested on the seventh. Not even God worked seven days, is the point. Perhaps that's where it started, or that's certainly the example the Creator gives us, but there is no record or mention of it until we come to the book of Exodus. And chapter 20 is not the first mention of it. It is mentioned in chapter 16, associated with the manna. Remember, they had to pick it up six days, but not on the seventh, because there would be double the amount on the sixth day for them. The Jewish people, remarkably, took God's word very, very seriously and they meditated upon it and they wrote rules and regulations and traditions around it and over the centuries they come to defining terms and everything else and there's all this addition to it. There's a thing called the Mishnah which is a record of the oral tradition and it runs to something like uh, 21 pages when it's talking about the Sabbath. Then later scholars over centuries, this is now about five, 600 AD after Jesus, but these were all around, but they were oral tradition, they were verbal commands that Jesus often confronted. The 21 pages became 806 pages of rules and regulations. There are 39 definitions of work. One of the definitions is to work means to lift something. Oh, what's the limit? Well, nothing above two dried figs. Everything was defined down to the limit. That's why what was wrong with the disciples walking through the grain field, they were plucking bits of wheat. What were they doing? Harvesting. And then not only were they harvesting, when they rubbed the grains together in their hands, what are they doing? Well, they're grinding and they're making stuff. It's work. You can't do it. And you know the stories. You've heard these sorts of things. Uh, the Jewish people had a rule that if, you, if a person was drowning, you couldn't rescue them. It's work. If a flea bit you, you had to let it do so. Because if you went looking for it and found it and killed it, that would be called hunting. (laughs) When it comes to untying knots, you can use one hand, that's okay, but you can't use two hands, because if you use two hands, then that's work. Now, typical of human nature, my brain automatically says, what if I use one hand and you use one hand, is that okay? And that's what you do. With rules and regulations, you will, or we go looking for loopholes and everything else. These are all additions that the Lord never, ever intended. And we have Christian Sabbath rules and regulations. And perhaps you're of a generation where you grew up with that. When I was a kid, there was no work on Sunday. You used to work on the Saturday until about midday, and then it was knock-off time. And Sunday, there are very few shops where none of the sh- Shops were open except maybe a corner store or something like that. And the pubs and the clubs were open. It's changed, hasn't it? Was it better then or now? Well, you can argue all you like, but back in those days, it was for some people that were raised and taught it's, in, it's, Ill, it's a sin for you to sweep or to dust on Sunday. 
Notice it's now moved from the Sabbath to Sunday. You couldn't play sport on Sunday. You couldn't make beds on Sunday. You couldn't cook on Sunday. Couldn't polish your shoes on Sunday. Had to do it all the day before. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing that in terms of preparation. It can be a very sensible thing to do. But it's the judgmental and the, the mustness. You can't do it is beyond the realms of where this command goes. John D. Rockefeller was, you know, the founding of the uh, Rockefeller family fortunes. He always had a cold meal on Sunday because he believed, he was taught, that it was a sin to cook. One man in Scotland was arrested because he smiled on Sunday. And it goes on. You know, there's lots and lots and lots of different examples. One commentator I read this week said, Our great-grandfathers called it the Holy Sabbath. Our grandfathers called it the Sabbath. Our fathers called it Sunday or the Lord's Day. And we call it the weekend. It's true. And some wag has said, and it's getting weaker all the time. What are we to do with this command? Because it is not... um, temporary it's not removed with the coming of the lord jesus it's part of the ten commandments part of what they call the moral law i can't show you in the bible that it says this but it's a very helpful way to understand the scriptures the reformers used to teach it is that when you read the old testament law it's divided into three types three categories there is the moral law which is binding on all people in all nations it's god's moral law like the Ten Commandments. Then there is God's uh, national law, which applies only to the nation of Israel. And then associated with that, there is also God's ceremonial law, which is to do with their ceremonies and rituals and festivals and so on. So sacrifices, national laws. Book of Deuteronomy tells you that uh, you are around the corners of the roof of your house, you would have a fence. Just a quick show of hands. Who's got a fence around their roof? You're all disobeying that command. But it's not for you. It's for the Jewish people. It's for the Jewish people who had flat roofs. So it was a sensible thing to do, but it's actually part of the scripture. It's part of the law. And there are lots of things. You can't wear garments that are a mixture of two fibers. That's Jewish. It's national law. It's not the moral law. So you've got to make those sorts of distinctions. So what does this mean then generally? It's very specific for the Jewish people and has unfolding in it. You'll find God very strict with them, but you'll find his attitude towards New Testament covenant people or Gentile people is different. You'll see the Gentiles are included in, the tenth, in this fourth commandment because it's, you won't do any work, your son, your daughter, your animals, nor the foreigner who is residing with you. Even they got a day off. You can't make them work. Well, the general understanding is very easy to do. God appointed six days to work, and he appointed one day, and he commands one day of those seven days in the week is to be something different, a day of rest. It was a sign, particularly the Sabbath, between Israel and God to the nations, And in fact, they are well known for it. Even New Testament times, the Romans, the the Jewish people were exempt from being conscripted in the Roman army because they would not march, fight on the Sabbath. 
so they were useless to the Romans. And that's quite through all of the centuries. So it's one day of rest, ceasing. It's called the Sabbath. It's holy. It's to the Lord. And it's the day that God has blessed. God makes all days, but the Sabbath day he has blessed. There's something about it that God wants us to derive from. God certainly is very strict with his people in the Old Testament. And if you disobey the Sabbath law in the Old Testament, it was the death penalty. Um, Numbers 15. But even this one. I'll show you something I found this week. I don't know, read this a hundred times. Never saw it before. Um, six day, this is Numbers uh, Exodus 31, verse 15. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. That's verse 15. Wives, quote that verse when your husband does some work on the Sabbath. Put him to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as the lasting covenant. Celebrating it. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, and on the seventh day, listen, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed never seen that before I have said before Genesis chapter 2 you know God on the rest, rested on the seventh day did he do it because he was tired and everybody goes no well God says himself Exodus 31 verse 17 and on the seventh day he God rested and was refreshed it's part of that it's very good statement enjoyment of what he has done so the lord certainly required very strict obedience to that command if you go through exodus leviticus numbers and look at the references you'll find that even the jewish people were not allowed to light a fire on the sabbath they were not allowed to pick up sticks on the sabbath they had to do all of that the day before in terms of preparation and you'll find there's very strict guidelines that apply to them because it's their national law not part of the moral law if you read Exodus 20, you'll find out the reason that's given is to remember the creation week. If you read Deuteronomy 5, where the law is repeated, when you come to chapter 5 of the Ten Commandments, it's not that reason. The reason given is, remember that you were slaves and that I brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand and outstretched arms. That's redemption is the purpose. Remember the Creator and remember your redemption. And certainly when you come over to the New Testament... In Hebrews chapter 4, uh, somewhere else it'll come to me in a minute, <clears throat> the Sabbath day in the scriptures, Sabbath points to our eternal rest. It's a day of rest, but we're heading for an eternal rest. We're heading for a place where it'll be one eternal Sabbath. The Sabbath for the Christian points to the fact that God saves, that we are not saved by works. We are saved by what God did for us in the person of Jesus. And on the Sabbath, we rest in what he has done for us. The day is to remind us of these spiritual truths. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 gives us that. The Reformers taught us that we are, on the Sabbath, we are not only to have uh, physical rest, that's part of it, but there's also spiritual rest, these spiritual truths, and we are to engage in some activities that are going to be honouring to him. Isaiah chapter 58 is worth reading. Again, it's the prophet speaking to the old covenant people, the people of Israel, but he talks about the Sabbath 
and about the attitude that God wanted his people to have towards the Sabbath, to call it a delight and not to work on it and to focus on God and to uh, take the opportunity to reconnect with him. Isaiah 58. So what does all of this mean for us? Is Sunday our Sabbath? Well, some people, Christians, would say yes. The Canons of Dort, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Puritans, one of my heroes, J.C. Ryle, they would all be very strict on what you can and cannot do on Sunday as part of the Lord's Day. They have their rules, they have their regulations. J.C. Ryle, for instance, thought it was a sin to ride the train. He lived, he died in 1900, so he's in the late 1800s. It's a sin for a Christian to go on the train on Sunday. Why? Because you're making somebody else work, the driver. It's wrong to go and buy food on Sunday. Why? Because somebody else has to work. I don't agree with him. But I'm just indicating there are some people who say yes to that. Maybe some of those are here. There are other believers, and I would be one of them. No, Sunday is not our Sabbath. It can be, but it's not technically a Christian Sabbath. Martin Luther is the one who said it. He said, you can pick any day, whichever one is able and you, you can use. It's the seventh day of the week. Notice it never says that. It just always says the seventh. It never says it's Saturday. It never says it's Sunday. It's always the seventh. Or when do you start counting? My Sabbath is Tuesday. When's your day off? Yesterday? Or is it Today? Why aren't you having one? Are you being conned and tricked into the idea that you, know, you work something a little bit every day? This command that God has given us, this moral command of the Sabbath, it's practical, it's sensible, it's uniting because on this particular day we have the freedom to be able to come together. That's why it's helpful. Sunday is special, but it's not superstitiously so. It's not a sacred day. It's on this day that Jesus rose from the dead on this day that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. That's how it moved from the Sabbath being on a Saturday, and it still is for the Jewish people, to the Christians meeting on Sunday. And if you were a Jewish Christian in the first century, then you would go to synagogue on the Saturday and you would meet with the Christians on Sunday. And if you were a slave, then you would be working. So church was at dawn or at midnight. How would that be? But that's how committed they were to being. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. So why do we keep Sunday? Well, because of that, because of Jesus' resurrection, because the Holy Spirit and Pentecost, and because that's what the early apostles started to do. And before very long, as a Christian church grew and became increasingly Gentile, it just became the first day of the week. We meet on the first day of the week, remember Jesus' resurrection, our redemption. Just like the Old Testament Sabbath did for the Jewish people. So is the command binding today? Well, yes, as I've been saying in principle, no, not in the particulars. You've got to work it out. The principle is cease. That's what the word means. Not rest. Cease is what Sabbath means. Stop. Stop working. And out of that comes rest. Reflect. Think. Do what recharges you. Here are four things to do on the Sabbath as I tried to think about this. 
So as we look after it, not only ourselves, our minds, spiritually, but we look after God's temple, our body. If you're a person and you work by labouring, if you work with your body, then do something that's not physical on Sunday, on your, sorry, on your Sabbath. If you're a person who works with using your brain, you, you know, it's all mental work for you, then don't use your brain on Sunday. <laughs> do something physical on your Sabbath. Here are four things. Reserve the day. Four things, all starting with R. Reserve. You need to uh, set it aside. You need to put it in your calendar. You need to book it. You need to protect it. If you don't do that, then it won't happen. Now, some of you will say, yep, that's a good idea, but you're going to rationalise by saying, I'm not going to put a whole day aside, not 24 hours, not from sundown to sundown or sun up to sun up or however you want to work the 24 hours out. What I'm going to do is take little Sabbaths, little breaks each day, and then that'll add up to the one day. Don't do that. Because what you're then allowing yourself to do is to work seven days without a break. And the key is in the break. You've got to let go. You've got to detach a little bit physically, mentally. That's what the Lord, I think, is saying through this command to us. Not a little bit every day, but one day in seven. Rest. Now, some of you have careers where that's not possible because nursing staff and medical staff sometimes, they work uh, like uh, 10 hour, 10 week, 10 day, 10 week, 10 days shifts or things, and then they get four days off. And so whatever your career is, you've got to make it work for you. Um, and certainly even the most strict Sabbatarians, those who obey very strict guidelines for the Christian Sabbath, even they allow for works of necessity, works of mercy and works of piety. So even though they have their rules and regulations, you don't ride trains and you don't write letters and you don't go to the shops and yada, 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 even they would say there are exceptions to this. Works of necessity, works of mercy, just like Jesus did. What did Jesus do on the Sabbath? Read the Gospels. You'll be amazed at what he did. In Luke chapter 14, he went for a social dinner. It's 14 verse 1. He had dinner with the Pharisee on the Sabbath. Didn't wash his hands, got into trouble for it. Didn't wash his hands in a particular Jewish way, ritual way. So you've got to reserve the day as best you can. The, I won't say that. The, next, the second thing you need to do is rest. So reserve the day, book it in, and then rest. And that means particularly no work, none. And no preparation for work. You need to disconnect and focus on something else. It doesn't mean you don't do anything. It means you do something that's different. You refocus your time and energy and efforts. You do other things, but don't do so many other things that you arrive at the end of your Sabbath completely exhausted and you return to work um, not refreshed. Somebody has written this. You think about your Sundays if that's your Sabbath. It takes real application, the author says, to read the Sunday papers, to go to church, to squeeze in a round of golf on Sunday afternoon, to catch the second half of the footy game on TV, to pick up, Sunday, to pick up and watch the Sunday night movie or the Graham Norton show before getting a good night's sleep to hit Monday. 
My routine is after lunch on Sunday, I usually try to watch Insiders, ABC show. Rhonda likes to watch Landline, and I haven't seen a complete show for about 10 years. I go to sleep every time. I figure that's a good thing to do on a Sunday afternoon. Makes a difference. So don't fill your day, your Sabbath, with all other sorts of errands and chores and things like that. But make it a day where you can rest, rest relax, refocus. It's like having a family night. And once you, if you do that, you'll experience, I am sure, something will be coming into you. There'll be a refreshing, a re-energizing. A... It'll strengthen your relationship with God, your relationship with your family. One of the best ways to have a Sabbath is to actually have a blackout because then you can't cook if it's all electrical. <clears throat> then you can't watch TV and you can't turn the lights on. You can't use your computer. You can use an iPad and an iPhone. But those restrictions mandated through a blackout makes you then be creative, lighting candles, playing games, reading a book, talking. It's not a bad thing to try and do. Throughout our family life with our kids, we used to have a thing called family night and we would reinforce it. On this night, we didn't cook. We ordered pizza or Chinese or whatever. We played games. We did not watch TV. Every now and again, we used to pick up our TV and put it in the cupboard for a week. It's amazing what happens in your family relationships. You sit at the table, you have meals together. You do devotions together, you talk about stuff together, you play together. While she is doing the washing, the cooking and the ironing and all those things. <laughs> Reserve the day. Rest, stop from work. Renew yourself, number three. Do something that will put gas back into your tank. Wind in your sail, a skip in your step. Whatever it is that energises you. Try to do that on that day. Is it driving to the ocean? Is it going up the mountains? Is it working in the garden? Is it mowing the lawn? Is it playing golf? What is it? Whatever it is, do that or try to do that on your Sabbath. Renew yourself and certainly include as part of that time with God. I'll come to that as the fourth point in a moment. God gave us this commandment to restore us, not to frustrate us. The reading from Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man. It was made for us. It's given to us for us, for our benefit. It's not to be a boring or to be difficult. It's a day to look forward to because it's an anticipation of our ultimate rest, heaven. Each Sabbath is a reminder, oh, not by works that I have done, not by my own efforts, but resting and trusting in him. And that refreshing and re-energizing I experienced now is going to be the ultimate when we get a new body in heaven. It's looking forward. So reserve it, rest, renew yourself, and then finally reflect. Include the spiritual in your Sabbath. Let God speak to you. Let him reveal himself to you. If today is your Sabbath, is it, this is the day that you set aside or trying to set aside to be your Sabbath, and it's, it's easy. Setting, coming to church is part of that, gathering with God's people. We did a whole series on the, last year, I think, on walking, how to walk into church. You prepare for it, you participate in it, and then there's a post-evaluation after it. I think they're still available online, I'm not sure, podcasts. Um, if you're not sure um, about that, then speak to Charlie or David. Don't talk to me. Reserve the day, rest, renew, reflect. 
figure it out for yourself which day. Give some special thoughts to it. Um, and let me close by saying this. This Sabbath law reminds us and indicates to us very clearly God cares about us. He doesn't want us to work until we drop. He knows the best way for us to live. He's the one who made us. He knows more about our bodies than we ever will. And he says, work six days. And every seventh, stop, rest, renew, reflect. And I bless that day to be a blessing for you. And if you are not doing it, you're missing out on God's blessing. It also indicates to us that God wants to spend time with us, wants to walk with us, wants to do life with us. He wants to share our life with us. God wants the relationship. Two things and I'm stopping. God's example given in this command. God's example is, I don't work seven days a week. It's what God says. He rested. Last thing, Psalm 23, verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does he do? Makes me lie down, green pastures. Leads me beside still waters. Restores my soul. Leads me in paths of righteousness for his sake. Brothers and sisters, this command is for us. And it's for us to work out, not to impose upon others, but for us to work out into our lives one day in seven rest. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your gift and for your command. Forgive us for disobeying this command. Correct us and help us to think, Lord, how we can comply, how we can rest up, cease to stop one day in seven. And to reflect on you and to experience being renewed and refreshed, just like you did. So, Lord, may you work your will out in each of our lives, we pray. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.